If you're going to self-manage your rental properties, you know I'm a big fan of finding that proper tool to get the job done. Well, we want to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a really awesome property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. Collect rent online and get paid. Find that perfect tenant with their screening and listing services and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using card, ACH, or cash, set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it, and even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. Did we also mention that RentReady is unlimited and all of this is flat priced? No tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for people to manage their own properties so you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the REI Mastermind Network. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only $54 at RentReady.com when you use our special code MASTERMIND. That's RentReady.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R. M-I-N-D at RentReady.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only $54. You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join J.D. as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have a treat for everybody here today. John Martinez has joined. And if you haven't followed John, uh, you're really missing out because, John, I, I follow you on Facebook, your YouTube channel. The amount of free content that you give out is is. Absolutely awesome. In fact, it seems like you're posting on a daily basis. Um, but what John does is that, uh, first of all, if you haven't listened to John, I'm going to tell you right now, you're talking to motivated sellers, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, and uh, John is is the, the process that we leverage. And I, I really appreciate your time, John. I can't say enough about some of the sales strategies and tactics that you, uh, you give out to people. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to be here. So, uh, John, I was hoping that we were going to do something a little different today. Um, and we're going to possibly start from like at the very beginning, as people are considering even doing some marketing uh, when it comes to real estate investing, and then how they talk to those, those the first person to, you know, we, we learn from time and time again, you can't make a brown apple green you know, you can't make up. It's it. You're, we don't want to try to convince anybody of anything, but uh, we also are getting a lot of tire kickers and everything too. How do you weed some of those people out? How you, how how much time do you spend with some of these people? Um, but I've always been perplexed a little bit myself, as as and I've tried a little strategy of my own, uh, trying to use some of your strategy in some of my my mail marketing. Sure. To see if if the, some of that type of stuff would work, and have you found any strategies or tactics associated with yellow letters and everything that uh, that is being yeah. sent out? Yeah, good question. So, um, you know, I think when it comes to 
marketing and sales and how they kind of dovetail together. Um, it is just important to realize, I, I, I think this is really the biggest mistake some people make with the marketing. I think it's important to realize you don't just want responses, you want the right responses because mm -hmm. you can make your phone ring, right? You can make your email blow up if you want to, but if that puts you into a position where you are just wading through endless amounts of unqualified sellers, unqualified prospects, you're not doing yourself any good. So, you know, I, I think when it does come to marketing, the, the messaging has to be right. You have to be speaking to the pain points of your ideal client, right? The ideal motivated seller you're looking for. If you don't do that, for example, um, if you use strategies, you know, kind of scare tactics or things like that, that just get the phone to ring, you're just going to end up talking to a lot of people you shouldn't be talking to, upsetting a lot of people you shouldn't, you know, should never be upsetting people, um, wasting time and probably missing out on the deals that you could have had because you're so wrapped up into activity, activity, activity that you forget to realize there's good activity and bad activity. And I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that was the first thing that really came to mind. Mm -hmm. No, that does answer the questions. In fact, Part of me wants to think that I'll, I'll kind of give you the breakdown of what I did here. And uh, uh, I expected a better response than I did. But uh, before we do that, um, this is just a taste of what John can provide. And I want to point everybody to your upcoming boot camp, which is on June 7th and 8th. And uh, where can they find more information regarding that specific boot camp? John? Yeah, the reisalesacademy.com. Uh, is our website also midwestrev.com say takes you to the same place but all the information's there yeah and that's a great place and a resource for because i know that you uh have links to all of that content uh that you, you give out on a regular basis as well so so the the mailing i sent out was actually saying you know you basically you know what we do uh, we buy distressed properties we're not a good fit if you don't fit into these categories. Mm -hmm. I got one phone call from that mailing and it was a marketer telling me they liked my mailing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think I went too far. Uh, you might've got a little too far. I think, you know, when it comes to messaging um, with the marketing, I think there's just a couple things that are really important. Number one is just letting people know what you do. I don't think you have to overthink it because it's really a top of the funnel activity. You're just trying to bring in some leads that that could be qualified, um, and then you'll vet them out later. You know, if you take a call or start speaking with someone. So just we buy houses, right? I think we buy houses, we pay cash. That type of stuff is really, really effective. Now most people do that. I think what a lot of people miss, and I, you know, you know, as far as you know, where training could kind of come into play, I think what a lot of people miss is they might know you buy houses, but if they don't know what the process looks like and what the commitment level is if they call and and what to expect, that's going to keep a lot of people from taking that first step. Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to marketing, just that very simple, we buy houses. Um, type of messaging is, is extremely effective. But if you add something like, hey, you know, if you sh give us a quick call or shoot us an email, takes all of five minutes to get the process started and just let you know what we might be able to do for you. Um, doesn't mean we'll buy your house, doesn't mean you have to sell your house, but 
we should be able to have a conversation and figure out if this is potentially a fit, right? Just kind of relieving some of that stress of, hey, I'd like to call, but are they going to keep me on the phone an hour? Do I have enough time set aside? What happens next? So just kind of relieving those anxieties and fears and saying, hey, if you reach out, it's really simple and easy. It takes five to 10 minutes to kind of work through the initial conversation and figure out, is this potentially a good way for you to sell or not? If it is, great. We'll talk about next steps. And if not, no biggie. You know, we knocked it out in five minutes. So I think that is the missing component I see in a lot of marketing is that taking down that wall so people feel more comfortable reaching out. Yeah, you, you bring up that quite often, the, the concept of setting the stage, letting them know that it's going to be X amount of time. And, mm-hmm. and even when you start to hand it off to whether you, you're going to go to meet, meet them in person, it's just that constant reminder of how long is it going to take, just setting those expectations. Mm-hmm. How important is that? It's extremely important because if we just, you know, you don't have to be in sales to, to just look at your own life and realize if you don't know how long something's going to take or what's going to happen, we get scared and we don't take action, right? It's like, um, I'll give you a thousand examples. Haunted houses. We all know haunted houses are fake, right? We all know there's not really ghosts and goblins and monsters around the corner. We know it's people dressed up and we know there's no danger. We're not going to get hurt. But because we don't know what exactly is around the next corner and when someone's going to pop out, it scares us to death, right? When we don't know what's going to happen, even when we know we're in no danger, um, it's really, really scary, um, another example, right? If, if someone, if, if a friend was to text you or call you and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Most people wouldn't immediately go, yeah, absolutely, anything, just name it. You know, I don't care when it is, what it is, how much it's going to cost me, just go. They're, the next question is going to be, uh, what, what would you like me to do? What's going on, right? So the, the key here is if we just look at our own lives, people just don't move forward. We don't take a next step. We don't feel comfortable unless we know what to expect. Um, I think the ultimate example of this is because uh, this is my personal pet peeve. So it's the best example I can think of. Um, you know, my wife doesn't do this anymore, but, you know, I used to get, uh, you know, the random text message that's like, hey, we need to talk. And when you don't know what we need to talk about, that can be just like soul crushing. Like, is something going on? Is this serious? Is somebody hurt? Is there trouble in the relationship? It could just be like, hey, do you want grilled cheese or mac and cheese for dinner? As simple as that. But when you don't know what to expect, the point is people get filled with anxiety and, and fear. We, we, we get scared to do anything. So setting the stage is critically important. Just always let people know what to expect. Sure. So, you know, a, a lot of the people that we talk to are dealing, they're likely dealing with something, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of, some sort of pressure somewhere else. Are there, is this like the, one of the keys, you know, uh, you know, setting the stage like this, is that some of the reason, you know, some of these people might finally come out of their burrow, you know, they, they typically want to bury their heads in the sand and they want to try to, to avoid anything and everything associated with their problems. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a good investor or acquisition agent or salesperson's job uh, is really to do one thing and one thing only, and it is to facilitate the most open and the most honest conversation possible. Now, there's a couple of things you want to talk about in that conversation, but that's it. If if you're really good at, at allowing at, at 
kind of setting up an environment where people feel comfortable just telling you everything that's going on, guess what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you exactly how to sell them. They're going to say, here is what I need. Here is what I'm dealing with that I don't want to deal with anymore. Here is where I want to go and what I want that to look and feel like. And they're also going to tell you, hey, obviously I'm motivated, but here's all the things that have been keeping me from taking action. When we talk to motivated sellers, it's not like they've been motivated for one day. Usually they have, just like you mentioned, they've been dealing with something for a long time, but for one reason or the other, they haven't taken action. So when you have that extreme open and honest conversation, you can determine quickly everything someone needs to hear and all the ways you need to structure a deal or, or share you know, about what you do uh, in order to make them feel comfortable with moving forward and then also uncover any concerns they have, any roadblocks, any speed bumps, anything that'll keep them from moving forward. And that really, really increases your odds of closing deals. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I have learned pretty quickly, John, is that since implementing some of the strategies that you've talking about, not only many, many times uh, I've found that the sellers are verbalizing their troubles to me for the first time. They've never, they've never faced it head on or they've never admitted it out loud. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point, you know? Um, and I think that is, it's a very important point because lots of times people know they have issues, but like you said, until they start to unpack them, until they start to verbalize them, until they start to put it all out on the table and really see the size and scope of their, their, their problem and, and the impact of their problem, how it's affecting them or, or family members or whatever, depending on the situation, until they realize it. Of course, we want to understand as, as investors or acquisition agents or, or salespeople, but until they understand, um, they really don't feel the full force of their motivation. They really don't feel the urgency to take action. And it's normal, right? If we're ever in stressful situations, um, we most people try to escape. We just try not to think about it until we have to think about it. And that's why most people just kind of sweep it under the rug. And when they verbalize it for the first time, a lot of times, Jack, this is the first time that they are really seeing the true size and scope of their problem. And then they feel this incredible urgency to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was hoping we could start at the very beginning here when, when, it, when the person is calling in for the first time, whether they're kicking the tires or not, um, because, you know, we have a lot of newer to real estate investing listeners. And, and frankly, some of, the, some of the basic questions that I get asked are, is like, what do I say? Like, mm -hmm. so I was hoping we could maybe spend a little time giving them like a, a little script, if you will, as yeah. to how to deal with these people. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you exactly what to say and kind of some KPIs or, or things, kind of parameters to try to stay in. Um, number one, a, a lead and take call. That's it's not a sales call, right? It, it's meant to do one thing. So you got to have the mindset of I'm really just separating qualified from unqualified prospects. Mm -hmm. um, so so just keep that in mind. We don't have to convince anyone of anything. We are just looking to see is this person worth spending my time on? Is this person worth um, taking through the rest of the sales process? Uh, so that that's the goal. So we have to understand the goal. Number one. Number two, a quick KPI, the best teams I work with. So, you know, teams that are just really systematized, um, 
you know, that do anywhere from 50 to 60 to 70 deals on a monthly basis, which means you've got to be dialed in tight, right? You got a lot of people sitting in different seats. Training is extremely standardized. Um, it's tight. It's, it's a tight ship, right? Um, those calls, uh, usually their goal is I want you on the phone with every lead. If they might be halfway qualified, right? Not if, you know, if you, if you pick up the phone and they say, I don't own a house, I have nothing to sell. You're not going to stay on the phone with them. But if they uh, could be qualified, the goal for all of my top clients is I want a double digit phone call. I want 10 minutes to really uh, scratch the surface, fully qualify them, and just touch a little bit, just enough on their situation to, we talked about uh, increasing urgency to take action a second ago, mm -hmm. touch just enough on their situation to make them feel um a pull, a, a drive to take some type of next step. Mm -hmm. um, so what you, the, as far as scripting goes, again, setting the stage is, is super important. You can take these words and use them uh, if you want to. Uh, if I was taking a, a lead call and you obviously modify this however you want, it'd probably sound like this. Hey, thanks for calling in uh, to We Buy Houses. Um, you know, usually people who call in want to know what we do, how we do it, how much we pay for houses or their house and, and that type of thing. Did you have those same types of questions? Hey, awesome. Listen, this is going to take five or 10 minutes just to run through some basic questions. Love to just find out a little bit about your property. Uh, and then we could start uh, getting an idea of what we could possibly pay for your house. Uh, do you have five or 10 minutes available to just shoot through some quick questions? Great. Listen, at the end, if we think we might have a fit, we'll go over potential next steps. If not, hey, it's five minutes down. At least we figured this out together. And that, that's a really good start, right? To set the stage. Now you can make that 30 seconds, 15 seconds. You can modify it. But I really just wanted to tell them what to expect. Now, if you don't do that, um, and you'll see this if you don't do it, you're going to start asking three or four questions and get shut down. Hey, 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 how long is this going to take? Hey, why so many questions? I just wanted an offer, right? So you've got to set that expectation. If you don't, you'll feel that pushback. It will happen if you take enough calls. It'll happen consistently. So set that stage. And then your only real goal is to qualify the lead, uh, number one. And then number two, just dive a little bit, just touch on their motivation to try to increase the odds of them moving to a next step. So as far as qualifications go, real simple. Do you have a property? Are you looking to sell? And there's, you know, probably five or 10 different checkboxes of motivation you can look for. Want to move quickly, don't want to deal with the realtor, financial distress, hired landlord. You're looking for any of those kind of telltale signs that you might have a motivated seller. Um, so if you have any of those, usually for me, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that appointment, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need them to tell me on the phone. I think this is a, a huge mistake. So this is a great tip for, for new investors. Don't look for someone to tell you on the phone, I want 50% of ARV within three minutes. Everybody wants the most they can for their house. Everyone's fingers are crossed that, hey, maybe my house is worth 100, but maybe this is a perfect house for this guy and he'll pay 120 because he wants it, right? Nobody is going to say to you, hey, the house is worth 100, I'll take 30, right? Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of newer investors and they're looking for that type of motivation on the phone. And if people don't say, hey, I'll take 50% or 60% of ARV, they just go automatically, I'm not, they're not qualified. Not true. All those conversations typically start, everyone wants 100% or more of ARV, normal, 
natural. Do not let that disqualify people. You're just looking for motivation, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some other, you know, ways you can qualify. If, if you're, if you have too many appointments and things like that, you can look for equity and, and all those types of things. But usually for 80% of investors out there, just some source of motivation is enough for them to go to the next step. Um, after that, just diving into their situation a little bit, something like, Hey, listen, what prompted you to reach out today? Know that I know that neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. Why are you thinking about selling? And just tiptoe into their motivation. Just get some type of an idea. Even if they just talk about it for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, the way the human mind works, they will be more motivated to take action. Um, we won't dive too deep into that, but, but that's it. So set the stage. Hey, here's what to expect on this call. Uh, we'll just run through some quick stuff, see how it ends. No, no pressure any either way. Um, you know, tell me about your situation, what's going on, why are you considering selling? If you hear one or two signs of motivation, even just one, I would go ahead and set the appointment, right? And that Mm -hmm. appointment might be extending the phone call, having a longer phone call another time, a face-to-face visit, doesn't matter. But what you would do at that point is set those expectations again. Usually sounds like this. Hey, listen, sounds like we might have a fit here. That is a house I'm definitely interested in. Um, I don't know yet exactly down to the penny what we can offer on it. Uh, typically, what the next step is, is uh, a longer conversation so I can get to know more about the condition and the layout of the house and things like that so I can get my, my offer dialed in. Uh, usually, I'm going to pretend it's an on-site visit. We come out, you give me a quick tour. Um, I'll ask you a little bit about your situation so I know how I need to put the numbers together just for you. And at the end of that thing, I'll give you an offer. Uh, usually it takes about 30, 45 minutes. If you love the offer, fantastic. We can talk about next steps. Um, hey, and if it's not going to work for any reason, no sweat. At least we gave this thing our best shot. So that's kind of beginning to end of a lead intake call. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that's especially, we've definitely found some success with that, especially when, you know, I, I'm, I'm typically the one who takes the phone calls and then my business partner goes on site. And uh, he essentially reiterates that time frame that you were talking about too. You know, I, you know, when I'm setting the those type of appointments, mm-hmm. so it's just kind of re-anchors them into yeah. okay, you're in, we're in this process. Yeah, yeah, and people feel comforted with that. You know, if you say one thing on the phone, and then your partner reiterates it, or if you go out there and you reiterate the exact same thing, there's a comfort, right? There's consistency. People crave consistency. Um, and it's systematized and, and that makes people comfortable when they know what to expect, they're comfortable. And just doing that two or three times builds a tremendous amount of trust and rapport because guess what you're doing? You're saying you're going to do something and then you actually do it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's great to continually set that stage all the way through a sales call, every portion of it. Sure. And just to remind everybody, uh, John has a, a boot camp coming up June 7th and 8th. Um, you can find that at midwestrev.com. I'll make sure to have that in the show notes. Um, but uh, definitely worth the worth worth the time, and uh, I can't recommend it enough. So, one thing that I noticed that you you said, and and uh, based on just the experience I've had uh, with some of your strategies, I find that I say this quite a bit as well. But you use the phrase, "We'll figure this out together." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really a great way to uh, uh, position yourself so that it's not 
combative, I guess would be a good way because otherwise you become, it could quickly become confrontational. Yes. I think you nailed it. You don't want confrontation. You don't want an us versus them mentality. And it, and that's really common in sales, right? Because um, that's really what this is, 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 is a form of sales. But it, it's really common in sales where salespeople feel like in order for me to win, you have to lose. Or if you win, it means I lose. The right mentality is we're on the same team. Let's just lay this all out and see where the, the cards you know, lie, see, see where the pieces fall. And that's the right strategy to have because, again, that's going to support that open and honest communication. You're going to learn exactly what these people need to hear to feel comfortable going forward. You're going to learn what their motivations are and why they want to take action. Then you can explain how you help do that. Uh, we'll help them do that. And you're also going to find out all their concerns and things that might hold them back. So you can go through and figure out if you can help them feel more comfortable with those things or maybe have solutions for those. We call them deal killers, those concerns or deal killers or objections or whatever you want to call them. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that being on their side, being on their team is, is where you want to be. Uh, at the end of the day, with your marketing and with a, a lead qualification call, most of the people you're talking to are going to be a good fit. So then on a sales call, your only job is to help them self-realize, not, not, not convince them, not shove anything down their throat, but help them realize this is a really good opportunity. This is a good way for me to get what I want. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point. You know, uh, you, it's in, almost impossible to convince somebody to take some sort of action, they have to come to that realization themselves. And it really takes those specific, those questions and, and getting them to open up to really uh, get them to gu guide them to their own realization. Yeah. It's almost like a counselor or, or um, a psychologist, right? Um, if, you know, lots of people go to counseling now, I've been to counseling for various things throughout my life. And what you realize, um, and it's been very effective for me. And what you realize is, they don't tell you anything. They don't tell you what to do or how to do it. But through a series of questions, they help you self-realize, oh, here's what's going on and here's what I need to do. And that's why the best investors and, and acquisition agents, they don't tell people what to do or what they should do. They just ask the right questions. So people self-realize, you know what? This is a big issue. I need to do something about it. And because of X, Y, and Z, I think this is the best way for me to, to do something about it. So questions and, and helping your, your seller self-realize what's best for them is, is the key to all of this. And if you do it right, most sellers will realize this is the right solution. Now, you might get some who realize this isn't the right solution. That just means they're not your perfect client. You don't have to do business with everyone. If you, if you run a sales call right, an acquisitions call right, you will have plenty of business. Um, and you don't want to sell people that aren't a good fit because that's that's not helping them. That's 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 conning them, right? So you don't want to do that anyways. So um, yeah, along the way, you're going to find a lot are, that are actually a good fit. They'll self-realize it. They'll close a good percentage of deals, the closable ones. And you'll also find some that you shouldn't do business with. If you did, that maybe you could. And if you did, it was going to be a huge headache or blow up on you down the line. It's okay to realize through this process that, hey, you are not the right fit um, as well. So I think that's another point that people have to realize that you don't want to close every seller because that means you're probably doing business with the wrong people. You just want to be able to identify those that are going to be a good client of yours 
that you're a good fit for and make sure that they realize you're a good fit. The problem is many investors and AMs go and talk to sellers who are a perfect fit, but they don't do a good enough job helping them realize that they're a perfect fit and all those deals just kind of wash out the door. Right. And then your what I also noticed is that your strategies um, uh, has you position yourself so you're no longer chasing. Right. And I think I think that's a another great example is that um, chasing usually is a is a form of trying to convince, and we don't want to be in the position of chasing. And I see that early on, especially with newer investors, they they get a, somebody calling in and they're and they're constantly chasing chasing the shiny object. Um, and, and that's actually a kind of a mindset change that you gotta, you gotta learn to step away a little bit. Yeah. And it's hard to do because sometimes you really want to convince them, right? You really Mm. want the deal. You might be able to see that this is perfect for you and perfect for them. And it's hard to have the mindset of, I I don't need this and I don't want to push too hard. Um, but you know, one, one of the first negotiation books I ever read, uh, back when I read books and didn't just listen to them on audible was Roger Dawson's, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but he's probably one of the, the best negotiators, uh, of his time. He was the Chris Voss of 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Most people know Chris Voss now with negotiation. Um, but in one in Roger Dawson's most famous book about negotiation, um, one of the lines that always stuck with me in there is whoever wants it more loses. And there's a lot of psychology and science that goes behind that, but it's absolutely true. Whoever wants it more loses the negotiation. And in this case, usually loses the deal. When you push people, you push them away, right? What you want to do is kind of take a step back so they're drawn to you. So they start to tell you all the reasons why it makes sense to do business with you. The more you push them, the more you try to convince them, the more you want it and you need that deal, really the less likely you are to get it. And again, there's there's a dozen different reasons why that is when you go into the science of it and the psychology and how this all works. But to just kind of sum it up, you got to chill. You got to relax. You don't want to convince people. You want to just let them discover this on their own. And uh, the way to do that is not pressuring them, pulling back, even just saying something, a little teeny tiny something every now and then like, hey, listen, if it's a good fit, fantastic. If it's not, no big deal. I like to take it a step further and go, hey, here's how this works. We're just looking for a perfect fit. Um, Out of every five people I talk to, maybe one is a perfect fit and we end up buying their house. So if you're one of those one out of five, that's a perfect fit. And we figure that out together. Fantastic. If you're one of the four that it's just not perfect for, no worries at all, right? Just letting people know that, hey, I'm not going to try to pressure you. I'm not going to try to make this happen if it shouldn't happen. Yeah. No. And, and another way that you've uh, pointed out a few times to release that pressure and you've, you've brought it up in a couple of your scripts so far is giving them an option of always saying no. Yeah, they, they have that option. We know it and they know it. Most salespeople don't accept no's though. They're, they're taught that, you know, always be closing type of, of, of mentality, which is, is now scientifically proven to be uh, detrimental to close rates. The more times you attempt to close, the less likely you are to close a deal. And it's because of what we've been talking about, the pressure and all, all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, you, you always want to relieve that pressure and they are in control, right? You're not going to force them into signing anything. 
So just verbalizing that and say, hey, listen, you're the boss. If you want to sell, you know, if, I, if you want to sell your house, uh, my job is to make you the best offer possible in a structured and just a way that it works for you and it works for me. Um, if it works for me and you don't like my offer, you're just going to say, no, thank you. And I don't buy a house. My business doesn't move forward. You don't solve your problem. So uh, you're in control. You're going to make the decision at the end of this. Hopefully we can just work through this together. And, you know, if it works, it works. If not, um, well, that's going to be hundred percent up to you. So just giving people that, that, you know, feeling of freedom um, goes a really long way. Sure. You know, one of the things that you pointed out early in our conversation is that, you know, most people know what we do and, and, uh, I, I I don't want to dis, discount the fact that uh, what you had said earlier is that most people have some sort of motivation. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called you. I mean, that is the first the first concept there. That, yeah. and I think we lose track of that. You know, we talk about people kicking the tires and they and they call just out of curiosity, but more times than not, they know that you would be buying their properties at a discount, and there's likely an underrise, underlying reason why they're even calling. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, of course, there are going to be tire kickers. Of course, there's some people every once in a while who just are lonely and want to chat. But the vast majority, you know, they know you buy houses for one reason or the other, they want to get rid of theirs. For one reason or the other, they picked up the phone or clicked on the internet or or shot off an email or whatever, instead of calling a realtor. So for most of inbound, most inbound contacts, there's some underlying motivation. Now, I don't know if that's enough, if, if that motivation is going to be a compelling enough reason yet mm-hmm. for them to do business with you, but you're right. There, there is something worth exploring. Right. You know, and another question that I've, I've learned and, and I ask quite often is um, simply, why don't you list it with a realtor? And, and uh, I think what's interesting about that is that a, a lot of uh, people I've talked to will never bring that up as if they're trying to hide the fact that that's even an option. <laughs> yeah, but that goes that goes so f- I mean that that's just proof right of what we were just talking about of uh, you know not being afraid to lose the deal. Um, just bringing up their other options. A lot of salespeople I would, I don't want to say amateurs but maybe people that don't have a, a clearly defined effective sales process they'll just try to avoid all the reasons why someone might not do business with them, like listing it with the realtor or, or something like that. And the truth of the matter is, is if you have things that can routinely stall or derail your deals, you don't want to avoid them. You want to bring them up to see if you can work through them. Um, you want to bring them up to see if you can eliminate them or, or to see, hey, is this something that we cannot beat? Is this something that's going to stop the deal? Because if you do lose a deal, you want to know why, right? If you do lose a deal, you don't want to be in, you know, if I lost a deal, I'd want to know I lost it because I uncovered this, this obstacle, this deal killer, and there's just nothing we can do about it. Unless that situation changes, it's no deal. I'd rather know that so I know what to do with the lead than, than not knowing and then calling every two days for the rest of my life going, hey, you want to talk again? You know, I want to know where people are. I want to know if the deal's not moving forward, Why? Um, but again, I think it does go back to the fact that most salespeople, weaker ones at least, um, they're so scared of no, they avoid anything 
that might lead to a no. They avoid anything that might get in the way of the deal. And I think the really good investors, people who've been doing it for a long time, like yourself, realize if something's getting in the way, let's get it out into the open and just deal with it. Yeah. No, and and uh, you know, I, I'm going to change the subject just slightly because when I first learned uh, some of your strategies, I was using them in any opportunity I could, just just trying to get in the habit and re- working that muscle. And and as much as it, we, let's face it, we all hate role playing and going through all of that stuff. Um, there's a lot of benefits associated with that, but I found that I was trying to, even when I was talking to other salespeople in other industries, I, I didn't have any desire to, or the ability to, uh, I'm going to use this example. I went to a car dealership and I was looking at just looking at cars. Mm-hmm. So, and I wasn't really, uh, you know, you're there for a reason. You're, you're probably looking yeah. at cars. Um, but when we went for a test drive, I started essentially using some of your strategies towards him. And by the time we got back, I knew how he was incentivized. I knew how important it was to, for him to sell this car to me. I knew, you know, um, by the time we got it, I I was likely could, could have gotten the best price possible. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting that this can be applied in so many different scenarios. Yeah, because at, at the end of the day, it's just communication. You know, um, if you could just, what we wish we could do as salespeople is just go in to, and talk to a seller and say, okay, I've got this sheet of paper. Tell me every reason why you would consider doing business with me and do one column and then say, column number two, tell me everything you're uncomfortable with, scared about that might get in the way. And if, if you were able to do that and people just, you know, you, you didn't have to have good communication skills and they would just, yeah, tell you everything. And it was, it was 100% the truth. If you could do that, then you could just look at that sheet of paper and go, well, let's go through these together. This is what you want done. Here's how I'm going to help you get there. Here's all of your concerns. Here's how we're going to address those. And then at the end, you'd say, here's my offer. What do you think? Right? It'd be super easy. The problem is, is humans are complex. Uh, especially with strangers, especially with salespeople, especially if they're in distressed situations. So you just have to know how to communicate with people so they feel comfortable telling you the complete, open, and honest truth. And, and, and that's it. So whether it's a spouse, kids, waiter or waitress, the, the, the car dealer, um, when you know what's going on in their head, when you can take a sneak peek and almost mind read, it gives you a lot of power. And I'm not saying power like you're misusing it or manipulate people, but the more facts you have and the more you know what's going on, the more powerful you are, the more you can uh, use those facts to make a case and, and to um, you know use them in your favor however you see fit. Right. So um, to wrap this up, I was wondering if we could chat a little bit about what we're dealing with right now with the pandemic and COVID and have you seen like uh, some of the strategies or the way people are, are acquiring properties, how, how they've changed over the past year? Surprisingly, very little. Um, now, there, there has been a shift to more virtual, um, mm-hmm. but that shift started long before the pandemic, right? Um, as people would try to, you know, ramp up marketing um, and, and have more people, more appointments to run, 
we started shifting to some virtual appointments. Um, as investors started to have some success in their markets, they started to explore other markets and it didn't make sense to set up a physical shop there. So they started to explore, you know, virtual. I think it, the pandemic accelerated that. Um, but, you know, with our clients who are probably 75%, I think we've got about 500 clients currently, uh, investment companies. And I, I think I would say roughly 75% are have some virtual component to their business. They're either doing it all virtually or a portion of their acquisitions is done virtually. Mm -hmm. um, and with all of them, it's the exact same conversation. There's some nuances, right? Um, it's a little easier face-to-face -face than, than you know, having the conversation over the phone. Some parts are easier over the phone, like the tough questions you got to ask because there is a little separation. Um, the conversation moves a little quicker over the phone. You got to get a little bit creative when you're doing your, your tour. You got to do a virtual tour and have them kind of walk you through the house and explain things to you as if you were there. So there's some minute differences, but um, surprisingly enough, 98% uh, of what we see, especially, and I always just use our most successful customers, so we stay in touch with them. They say, it's the same conversation. If we're there versus on the phone, uh, even through text message or email, he, same, we hit the same steps. We ask the mm -hmm. same questions. It's the same thing. Of course, the dynamics are a little different here and there, and there's some unique challenges, but by and large, it's the same. Yeah. So, well, I, I want to remind everybody again, uh, the new, the next boot camp is June 7th and 8th. You can go to MidwestRev.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. And the one last question I try to end with is, is there a question you wished I would have asked you today? Oh, Sarah, that's a great question. Let me see. Yes, um, there is. Um, what I always like to share with people, so I wish... What I wish you had asked was, do you have to have a special gift to be a salesperson? Uh, especially in, in, in RE, we work in a lot of industries, but in, in real estate investment, a lot of people get into the business, not because they want to be in sales, but they want to be in the real estate business, right? There's something mm -hmm. about the, the business and the opportunity and, and everything that goes with it that is very appealing. And just like any business, you'll realize sales is a big piece of it. And a lot of people get into it and then realize, wow, there's this incredibly uncomfortable thing or, or thing I'm not used to doing or don't know how to do. Am I just not cut out for it? Do I not have what it takes? Um, but the truth of the matter is, as some people are maybe a little more, maybe they're a little better at sales naturally but you don't have to be a natural. You have to just have a process. It's just like accounting, right? There's no natural accountants. There's accountants that follow good processes and procedures, right? Even builders, right? People aren't just, in, in architects, people aren't just born a natural architect. They have formulas and procedures and processes they follow. And the more they stick to those and refine them, the better they get at their craft. Sales is the exact same. Um, so for all the investors, which I usually find out are quite a bit, that acquisitions is their least favorite part of the job. It's mm -hmm. not because you're not cut out for it. It's just usually because the right process isn't in place. So that, that's, that's what I want to share uh, first and foremost is don't let it discourage you. Don't let it push you out of the game. Um, look for a better process. No, that, 
that's a great way to end this. I really appreciate your time again, John. Uh, and uh, again, make sure you head over to MidwestRev.com and uh, sign up for the next boot camp. Jack, it was a pleasure. Thank you, sir. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.